0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 270 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we have a big topic today, and we know it's high on everybody's minds right now. Uh, This week and next week, we are going to be talking about school opening and school decision-making for fall 2020. Megan, are you ready for this? I just feel like
1: this is like the most looming conversation on Facebook and in all social media right now. Like Everybody is talking about school. Um, and we're all having like a slightly different conversation. You know what I mean? It's depending on where you are and how soon school opens. It's very different.
0: Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here. We're going to get into it, but I feel like there's, there's like this very macro zoomed out conversation that involves, you know, politics and, you know, national news stories and stuff. And then there's this very micro experience of of you and your children and Megan and me and my children and our listeners and their children and the individual decisions that we are facing for fall. Or maybe we don't even have a choice and maybe it's just what what the plan is. So we have a lot to cover. And um, the way we're going to break this up, first of all, it is July 17th. So that is the day we are recording this episode. And um, very relevant because I feel like there's breaking news on this every day, so we're recording on July seventeenth. You'll be hearing this around the twenty first or a little after, and today's episode is really kind of a check in um with each of us and our communities and the s- counties and states where we live, and you know we have kids from second grade, my youngest up through different high school years and even college students in your house, Megan. So we'll we'll check in about what things look like and then we've also invited our listeners to tell us what's going on in their neighborhood schools and how they're feeling about it. So we'll get to play some of those voicemails that we got today as well. So I almost feel like today is like we don't have answers. We're not providing solutions or really opinions even. We're just sort of taking the temperature of our community around school reopening. And and it's like it's kind of humbling cuz I don't feel like I have any solutions to offer today. I know.
1: I like almost feel like I I hesitate to even get into these conversations too much with people around here in my community because I just don't trust that anything is going to be what we think it's going to be anyway. So it's just we're in this very weird limbo place right now um, where we're having like this almost like a theoretical conversation about what should be done, knowing that it probably will look very different from what we think. So, yeah, um, I'm very grateful to everyone who, who sent in Their kind of little snippet, like a little slice of life for them, um, because it really gave us a perspective of how it's looking for moms with different age kids across the country. Um, And yeah, so I think this is going to be interesting, but you're right, probably not super helpful. Yes.
0: Well, I I think what I hope that people will take away from it is um, depending on how plugged in you are to the national conversation or how many friends you have spread across different areas of your state or the country or even the world. I think what we are able to do sometimes is remind everybody that this is like such a complicated process for a lot of families. And anytime we can add empathy to the conversation or maybe introduce a viewpoint that you might not have thought of, or maybe your kids are just really little and you don't have an idea what your kids with old or your friends with older elementary school students are going through. So I, I feel like maybe it's just kind of an awareness conversation and it reminds me a little bit of our episode from back in May. It was episode 261 about criticism and judgment in the time of COVID. Remember that one? Mm,
1: Yes. I remember that well. Yes. Yeah. I think that there's just some themes. And I think what's really interesting when we started talking about this episode is like how many parallels there are between the things we were all talking about a few months ago, Mm -hmm. as far as distancing and um, play dates and things like that. and, And starting to kind of get back out there in the world is like, the same kind there's the same tone Mm -hmm. around the conversations now where people aren't sure what to do so again we dig in sometimes on like on trying to sort of circle the wagons around our own choices when we feel that way and Mm -hmm. that can lead to a lot of tension so I think that these two episodes will be um really good timing I'm hoping and I hope they just kind of remind us all to like take a deep breath and remind ourselves that we're all we're all living this the best that we can and making the best choices that we can.
0: Yeah. And I think that um, that the decisions you see other moms making are and I think we talked about this in that May episode, you're seeing like that tip of the iceberg. You're not seeing the 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 thought that went into it underneath or the circumstances or the unique family challenges that led to that decision. So we have to work really hard not to judge. I mean, I think it's it's easy to be like, oh, I don't judge other moms like I get it. But when the stakes are this high, I think all of us is we're on a it's a practice to remind yes. ourselves that the decisions we're seeing others make um have a lot behind them that we're not seeing, so yeah, I think there's parallels parallels there as well. okay, so let's just start with maybe a little overview of what things are looking like in our communities, and you can go first, Megan, you can talk about your actual plans for your children. Why don't you say how old your kids are too, just in case we have any new listeners sure. um, and then talk about your family's decision. And then maybe a little bit about what the vibe is like in your, in your area and remind everybody where that is.
1: Okay. So I, uh, well, my kids are 11, 14, 16, about to turn 15 and 17 in the fall. And then I have 20 and 22 year olds who, um, one is a college student, but he was planning on taking a hiatus anyway this semester. So that hasn't really been that big of a deal. So they're all they're going into sixth grade, ninth grade, and 11th grade. So t- two of them are moving into new schools this year. One is going from yeah. middle to high school, and one's going from elementary to middle. Um, so we are in the southwest corner of Michigan, closer to Chicago than Detroit, uh, because people always think that Michigan means Detroit. Mm-hmm. And it's not in this case. Uh, we're just across the lake from Chicago. So we really don't know a lot yet um michigan has been very um i would say at the forefront of the more restrictive restrictions mm-hmm. if that's if that's a good way to put it um and our numbers have been pretty good like we've especially for like the last 2 months we've really kind of held steady although it's looking like the trend is that there are more cases and that it's becoming you know like everywhere else in the country yeah. on the rise again so um the governor came out with a plan, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, like a reopening plan. And I don't know if every state is doing this, but like we have um, like zones in our state, for example. So our state is divided. And, you know, Sarah, we've talked about this on this show before and just you and I personally, how a state like Michigan or California or a lot of states there, there might be an urban center and then a super rural area and then like a kind of rural area. And because the state is so different, like, I think they really saw that there was a need to divide it up because it just wasn't relevant. Like stuff that was happening in certain areas just really wasn't relevant to some of the counties in the upper peninsula where there's literally not been any deaths and very few, some places, no cases like none. So, um, so that's divided into zones. And then each zone is assigned a like stage that we're in or Mm -hmm. a phase. And I believe we're in phase four, although we've been threatened that we might, move backward to phase three, which would mean no school starting in person. Um, But right now we're in four and I believe it's a very long document. It's like 63 pages long. But my understanding is that the schools have certain requirements and certain suggestions at each stage. And in stage four, it would be required for kids to be distanced, wear masks all day from sixth grade up. K through five, it's like recommended. And then when you move from four to five, then it it bumps down. Like every all the requirements bump down to suggestions. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other rules about like the teachers have to sanitize the classroom in between each, you know. Right. Um, then they have to eat their lunch at their desks and a bunch of stuff about the bus. But I've really, I really tried not to take it too much to heart when I read it because I'm like, our district hasn't decided how they're going to implement that yet. Right. So it almost doesn't matter. Like I know what they have to do, but I don't know how they're going to interpret it. So what I do know, um, and I think maybe this week, I'm a, I'm going to guess next week, we're going to get kind of like the final, this is how things are going to look. But we've gotten sort of more vague, um, a, a more vague sort of idea from the district that there will be virtual offered. They're probably going to go through a third party, um, which I think is good because I'm thinking like, how are teachers going to teach classroom and online at the same time? Right. Especially when a lot of teachers weren't, prepared it had never done virtual before. And we know it's very different and they've been so busy, like just trying to get their kids caught up in stuff and plan yes. for next year. It's not like they all took a crash course and how to do virtual education. Right. So I think that's really smart. Um, there will be, obviously if it's allowed, there will be in-person, um, in-person education. And then it sounds like there might be some, like, at the high school level, at least you can kind of opt in and out. Like you could take math in person, but stay home for the rest. Okay. And I'm a, yeah. I'm a little conflicted about that because I kind of feel like, does that really solve if like, does less exposure or exposure for less time change things on a, um, uh, at the level that it would need to, you know what I mean? So I don't right. know. Like I, I find some of these answers or solutions to be from a parent's perspective, um, a little like, arbitrary and they feel sometimes like a bandaid, like, like almost like a false sense of security. Like if we're going to do this stuff, it's going to solve all the you know problems of the spread. And I, I don't know that I believe that, but I don't know what to believe. So right. anyway, like I, I just right now, I don't know. And, and I would even go so far as to say, no matter what they say this week, we're still two months out. We don't go back to school till after labor day. So it's almost two months from now. I take it with a huge grain of salt. Like, I do not believe that whatever they tell us next week is what's actually going to happen. So I almost don't even want to know. Like, I almost just want to enjoy my summer and not think about it. And I know that's not realistic because at some point I have to make a decision. Right. Um, Another interesting, like, factor is that I am a divorced parent and I'm co-parenting. And so that means more conversation has to happen, uh, both because if the kids are doing virtual, which I is my Choice, like I Mm -hmm. would really like that to happen, no matter what. I feel like um, I would rather we just start the way we know we're going to meet, like Mm -hmm. go on, rather than start one way and then, you know, maybe they have to shut down again, or maybe there is an infection in their classroom, and we'll get into all those what ifs later. But like, I would rather just begin the way I think it's going to go, and so, but I have to get, you know, my ex husband has to be on board that too, and that means that both of us have to be thinking about. We each, you know, are self-employed people. We have to be thinking about however the kids going to be getting their stuff done um, when we're both working, and so it just creates. There's just a lot, and part of me just wants to just not think about it. Well, so there's my like long-winded answer.
0: No, I think I think you're right because, as you say, more information is coming, and uh, eight weeks or however long you have left until after Labor Day is. Too long in the era of COVID to predict anything, and I think right. some of the reasons that we're seeing national stories right now is there are some schools who would go back in early August, and that puts us at like three or four weeks. Two weeks out, when yeah. Three or time four, to yeah. time to get real. I was going to ask just one follow up, which is how closely are your three school aged kids following this, and do they have opinions, questions? Um, are they part of the conversation right now, or are they just kind of doing their summer thing?
1: Um. They are mildly paying attention depending on the kids. So like William, I don't, I think all he cares about right now is like just being a teenager. Mm I don't, I did bring it up to him and he was like, you know, not super thrilled about the virtual idea. So he would be the one I think that I would give the most um, autonomy to in Mm -hmm. the decision because he is in high school and his grades will matter more than the others. And if he feels he can't do as well from home, then that's, you know, something to consider. And his social life is really important to him. I just don't, I don't think he fully grasps how different it's going to be and how it's not going to look the same way socially that it has in the past. And that might be, you know, if I'm trying to convince him, that might be um, one of my talking points. Owen is one who keeps an eye on stuff and he's always, he, he likes to know, like he likes to be kind of in the loop about things, but he hasn't talked about it too much. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to like, um feed that side of him yeah. too much right now because i know that that can become a spiral. So like i have not mentioned it much at all to him. And then Clara, i just said, you know, how do you feel about the mask thing? How would you feel about having a mask on all day in class? And she was like, "Ew, no thank you." So <laughs> she's out. Like she'd really rather not go. I think and obviously i'm i'm very pro mask, but it's very different when you're talking about, you know, your 6th grade kids sitting with a mask on all day in yeah. class in by the way, a new situation, all new teachers new classmates, um, in a new building. I just think that's a lot for a brand new sixth grader to absorb. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of relieved of all the kids that I'm the most concerned about mentally and her mental health. I would be Clara going into a situation that would give her a lot of anxiety or where she didn't feel comfortable or like she could get to know her teachers or whatever. So I was relieved that she seemed like super take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where they're all at. But again, I have told them like, let's not get, let's not hang our, our hat too hard on anyone Yeah, <laughs> peg or, or idea that what about what's going to happen? Cause we just yeah. don't know. Yeah. So how about you?
0: Okay. Well, I am <laughs> in California and regular listeners know that we made a decision earlier this summer to relocate from orange County up to Santa Barbara County where I grew up. And so we have officially moved and my kids are enrolled in schools. But what's very, very strange, and I said this to you offline yesterday, is it's extremely strange to be entering into school communities. And we know where we're going. Uh, Reed and Violet are elementary school age. They're second and fifth grade. They will be going to a local public school. Allegra's seventh grade. She'll be going into a private middle school. It's a sixth through ninth um, middle school. And so we know where they're going. We don't know a lot of what that's going to look like yet, and I'll get into that. But with the most bizarre thing as a school parent is, I've been a school parent now for many years, and I've always kind of enjoyed being dialed in, having some like some parent or teacher in the know that I can text, some behind the scenes. I mean, I I, I think I'm I don't want to gossip. I don't think of myself as like a busybody right. or a gossip. But I like to be dialed in and I like information. We've talked about this with my personality before. Um, I feel secure when I have information. And what's so funny is we're entering into these new school communities in the time of COVID and I don't know a single family a, in either school that I could text and be like, hey, give me the load on. I got this email from the principal, but what's what's the real scoop? I have nothing. So what's interesting about that is I have to make my decisions and take my information Purely at face value, um, which is just kind of an interesting place to be. And I I would think if you're a new kindergarten parent, for example, and you're entering a new experience as a, you know, maybe you're going to your neighborhood public school, you might feel the same way, but it's just because you haven't had the time yet to get in with the people. But I I had been so in with my people and now I have no people. So that's interesting. the state of California, in literally like an hour and a half from right now, our governor is going to issue more um, guidelines for the reopening of schools. Um, it made national news last week that Los Angeles County and San Diego County, two of the most populous counties, have already announced they will be virtual only in the fall, uh, after which Orange County, my former county, said they want to go back without masks or social distancing. So there's some extreme, there's some um, just polar, polarized, Things happening in Southern California. We're not in any yeah. of those three counties, but we're kind of adjacent to it all. Um, so there, that's that's been a lot. Of, there's been a lot of chat and a lot of talk about all that. But like you said about Michigan, the school districts up until now, and and when our Governor Newsom makes his announcement later, we may understand more about this. But up till now, like you said, it's the individual school districts that decide how to implement those guidelines. And so in Orange County, for example, where they had a big meeting and decided not to mandate masks and not even to mandate social distancing, you then had individual school districts saying, well, but we are going to. So it's very The jurisdictions are very confusing. And if you um, I'm kind of new to like following county politics at this level of closeness. And it's like it's like a whole it's it's a whole complicated situation. So I guess that's the, that's the regional update. Um, our two schools, our elementary school is public and it is, um, a very well-funded and smaller public school and it's a one school district. So we're, we're fortunate that they are only responsible for implementing the guidelines on their one school site. They don't have like six elementary schools to, to manage. It's just the one. And up until today, they have. uh, issued a plan for reopening full time with very small cohort classes, like 12 to 16 students who can be spaced out with masks, very strongly recommended. And I'm, I'm already picking up on the parent community that there's feelings that masks should be mandated, but they're not, but they're very strongly recommended. And so I went to a webinar, I went to like a zoom info session about that. I got a whole email about it. They made a, they made a YouTube video that like showed what it would look like, which I actually found very helpful, helpful and also kind of sad, like to see what's like you were saying with Clara, like, imagine this is what school looks like for you. How do you feel? And she's like, uh, no. And interestingly, <laughs> Reed and Violet watched this YouTube video and they said, I'd, I'd rather go to school even if I have to wear a mask. So just interesting, different. I, my, my feeling is that we are headed toward a further, uh, I don't, lockdown's probably the wrong word, a, a further tightening And my guess is like you, my guess is that we will all be virtual. So sorry to get there like via circuitously. And
1: I I no, but I think it's, it's, that's exactly how I did it. Right. Like you have to lay out what's being said and, and then you get to what's real. Right. And And oh,
0: I I wanted to add that Allegra's um, private school is much the same as the elementary in that they have the space and the resources to do, they're calling them cohorts where you'd only move around with the same 15 kids masked and distanced. And from a pure safety perspective, asking me today right now with what I know, neither school's plan feels terribly unsafe to me. And I say that with a big grain of salt because all of this is feels scary. Right. But neither school has rolled out a plan where I've said no way I'm keeping my kid home because I'm, you know, fearful for our health and safety of our family. I've been reasonably encouraged. However, I think that my state and my region are just not in, probably not in a position to execute those plans. It, does that make sense? So it's not that yeah. I don't blame the schools or their planning. I, I'm, I've actually been really impressed to see what they've, how creative they've been. And I feel that we're probably heading, but even by the time this airs, I may know more that we're headed toward a virtual start. So phew, there we are.
1: Well, my sister just sent me yesterday a, a news headline that Lansing, which is um, the city she lives in, in central Michigan, and it's the school district that my nephew Quinn goes to, has already said that they're going to do online only. And I think that once some of the bigger districts yep. start saying that, that's when, you know, that's when the dominoes start to fall. Yep. And it will be, there'll be so much pressure for everyone to follow suit. Um, another interesting thing is that around here at Amino, you know, my sister in law, Jenna, is a teacher. And so she gives me kind of the insider scoop. And she said the nice thing is the county is um, kind of banding together. And the nice thing about that is otherwise it can get very competitive. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants, okay. So like around here we have snow days. Nobody ever wants to be the first to call the snow day because if you call it and (laughs) someone else doesn't, parents will get mad one way or the other. Like it's just, it's weird competitiveness, um, among a couple of the, the more affluent, I would say districts in the area that are, they're just very competitive about stuff like this. So I could really see that becoming a problem if they didn't all band together and one school decided to do things one way and another one did it another way, like it would create a lot of discord um, and probably stuff they don't want to deal with. It's better, I think, for them to present a united front, Mm -hmm. but it just means it takes longer. Like the information is slower to get to us. So,
0: Well, and not to like, not to zoom out too far again, but I think something that continues to come up with COVID is it's, it's putting tension and stress on our concept of local control versus leadership at a government level. And I don't think right. anybody knows how to do that perfectly. Of course we right. want, of course we want individual school districts to have a certain amount of local control. Like I think everybody wants that, but we're living through something that, so I I'm seeing this, va- this back and forth between state leadership, county leadership, local decisions, and then everyone looking, I'm like shaking my head right now, like looking up and looking to the side, like right. who's, Whose turn is it to, everyone almost wants someone else to take the lead. It's crazy. It's crazy. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor.
1: Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so doing things a little bit differently for the rest of this episode, but I just think this is so, I found it fascinating as these started rolling in, these voicemails from listeners telling us the decisions they're having to make and like, what it, what is the climate like in their state or their town or their school district? What is it like in their home? How are they weighing these decisions? Because a lot of times, you know, people need school to be able to go to work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are having to head back, either never got to work from home or um, maybe did for a, an amount of time. And now we're having to head back into the office. So that's a big, that's a big factor. Um, another thing that I know we're going to talk about a little bit more, though, is is like preschool is like a whole different thing yeah. because it's so often private. Um, and so that, you know, and it's daycare and it, mm-hmm. sometimes it's rolled into a daycare. Yeah. So so you're going to hear from six listeners for the next little bit and. I just think this is, I think it's really fascinating to hear how this is playing out.
0: I do too. And I just want to thank everybody who sent in your voicemails. And we only represent, you know, two moms, eight kids, two parts of the country. Our kids are getting older. Many of you have younger kids. So yeah, I just think it was, was really amazing for us to hear these voicemails. And we're excited to share them with you.
2: Hello, Mom Hour listeners. This is Anna from Ohio. I have a son who is supposed to start preschool in August. However, due to our state's regulations and the current student-teacher ratios required, my son no longer has a spot at preschool this fall. I am considering leaving my teaching job, a career that I love, in order to homeschool my son as well as his same-age cousin for the upcoming school year. This makes me feel a great deal of stress and anxiety and definitely makes me pretty sad about the state of things. I truly love being a teacher, but if my district requires me to be back in the traditional classroom full-time, I don't think it's going to be the safest place for me. I think leaving the classroom that brings me so much joy might be the safest decision for my entire family at this point in time and would allow someone to be at home with our child.
3: Hi, Sarah and Megan. My name is Anne, and I live in Virginia. I have one son who is starting kindergarten this fall, and pre-COVID, he was in preschool for five full days a week. Our public school has given parents the choice to either do a full online curriculum or to select what they're calling the on-campus continuum, which can vary from five days a week, everyone in the classroom, to a hybrid in-school online curriculum, to fully online, uh, depending on how our state's COVID cases are progressing. Parents have three weeks to officially declare which option they're going for with their kids, and our family is leaning towards the on-campus continuum. I have this feeling for the fall that, well, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens and navigate the school year as best as we can. I think that mindset comes from us being an active duty military family for the past 14 years and having to face a lot of other sudden and drastic changes to our lives. Um, You know, when you send your spouse off for a seven to eight month deployment, when you're moving across country and have to find a place to live without having ever set foot in that part of the country before, when you're five months pregnant and moving 6,000 miles away to a tiny island in the Pacific Ocean, um, you just have to wait and see what happens and navigate the best as you can. That's what our family has done for many years. And that's
4: really how we're going to be approaching the coming school year. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Ashley. I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, and my kids are in, this fall will be in pre-K and first grade. Um, right now, their school, which I'm going to work at um, in the middle school, they will go back full-time, and it's, um, the campus is pretty nice, and I think they have social distancing plans in place. And, um, cohort groups together, um, and they're going to try to keep kids pretty separate from one another, like the group separate. Um, I'm feeling, uh, kind of okay about the plan while they're there. My only concern is, um, or my biggest concern is in, if they have to close the schools and I have to virtually teach, um, all day through Google meet, um, having a can- kin- or first grader and a pre-K kid around is really, really hard. Um, I feel like they l- kind of were just getting, um, comfortable, my, especially my kindergartner last year was just becoming a really strong reader and that kind of got, uh, canceled. <laughs> right. They're talking now. Anyway, thank you. I love your show so much, and I can't wait to hear the episode. Bye. Hi, my
5: name is Audrey, and I have a 13-month-old and a -a three-and-a-half-year-old. My kids obviously aren't in school yet, but I am a teacher in Southwest Virginia. And what we think school will look like in the fall has students coming in two groups, either a Monday-Tuesday or a Thursday-Friday group with everyone working remotely the other days, and including staff on Wednesdays. My three-and-a-half-year-old is supposed to start a a two-day-a-week preschool program in August, in addition to sending my kids back to their babysitter the other days of the week. I'm feeling very anxious and concerned about exposure levels, particularly since my region is continuing to post record numbers of cases. And I find it ironic that my school board is meeting on a Monday virtually to discuss sending people back face to face three weeks later. Um, it all feels very hectic. and I think that if I had a kid, I was sending to elementary school, particularly to kindergarten. I would find any way to keep them virtual 100%. Um, or if it's a young kindergartner, even um, redshirting them a year, just for sanity's sake.
6: Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Colleen from New Hampshire. I have two little boys who are supposed to be going off to school in the fall. My younger son will be going to his first year of preschool, but he did attend this school this past year in the toddler program. So I know he will be familiar with it and excited to go back again. I am, of course, a little bit nervous about his health and safety, but I am just trying to take it one day at a time. I am pretty stressed and emotional about my older son going off to kindergarten. First of all, I've been emotional about this for years, just imagining my little guy being so big and going off to his first real year of full-time school and being away from home so much. That being said, I don't believe his day will be full-time this year because of the pandemic. It looks like our school district is considering the idea of half days or maybe a Monday, Tuesday schedule and then a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule the following week. Um, So we will see how that works out, but I am feeling quite apprehensive about sending my little guy off to kindergarten after he's been home with me for so long. I think the transition to a new school, new teachers, and new peers is going to be really tough. The other piece of this is that my son was diagnosed with a social anxiety disorder called selective mutism back at the end of February. So that diagnosis came just a couple weeks before the pandemic really shut everything down here. And there were a lot of things I wanted to put in place, meetings and therapies, things like that, that just didn't happen. These things that I wanted to be in place before sending him off to kindergarten. So my anxiety is heightened knowing that he's going to be transitioning with an anxiety disorder. I also am very excited for him to go to kindergarten because I was an elementary school teacher before having my children. Kindergarten is such a special time and so exciting um, and and i'm I'm happy for him to go however i I am heartbroken at the idea that his kindergarten experience is not going to live up to what I Have been imagining it would be like for all of these years. Of course, being a teacher, you know, I have these amazing visions of what his kindergarten year will be like. And my guess is it will be very different from that. So I'm just a ball of emotions, excited, nervous, scared, emotional, but I'm hopeful. And I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.
7: Hi Megan and Sarah, this is Diana from Orange County, California. My kids are or will be grades two and seven. And we will for the first time be a homeschool family. Um, Just given the climate and the uncertainty of everything and the precautions and all that needs to be done um, as a family, we have decided. To give this year um, homeschool a try. My kids are excited. Um, It's going to be a big change for our family, being that I am a teacher and I have decided to figure out ways for me to be able to stay home and still help and teach kids and um, help parents. So um, we are excited about this opportunity to be home with the boys and. Hopefully over time this will blow over and then at that point we can decide if homeschool is the right choice or whether or not we go back to where we were before. But I'm feeling at peace knowing that we will be responsible for their learning and their safety and just getting rid of all that other uncertainty out in the world and just being closer as a family.
8: Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Jamie and I live in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, which is a little coastal town just north of Newport. I'm a mom of four. So my four kids are ages three, four, six and seven, which is uh, preschool, pre-K, first grade and second grade. Um, I was a public school teacher for over a decade, but we are a homeschooling family and have been ever since my oldest began kindergarten. So um, so in the fall, there's definitely going to be some things that are the same and some things that are different. Um, so even us homeschooling families have to deal with change and adaptation. Um, but we are obviously not going to be able to, to travel and do field trips and visit museums in the same way that we were before COVID. Um, but we're also part of a homeschooling community that meets once a week, and um, we don't know yet depending on what the regulations here in Rhode Island are at that time, whether we'll be able to meet as a group in the way that we had been before, or if we might have to move our meetings to private homes, um, which also raises a lot of questions just for our family, because we've been very conservative about our exposure, um, about how comfortable we are um, in those settings. And so we really value the relationships that we've built through our homeschooling community. um, But we don't know that we necessarily want to Uh, put ourselves in situations that could be risky to continue that this year. So we're definitely having some tough conversations just among ourselves and with our friends. Um, So it'll be interesting to see um, how other people are handling this. Everyone's situations have their own challenges. So thanks for starting the conversation, guys.
0: Okay, we're back, and we have voicemails from six more listeners, including some Canadians, which is really fascinating to hear what school is like in a totally different country. Um, So we're going to play you six more voicemails, and then we're going to talk about all this, Megan.
9: Hi, my name is Jenna, and I live in a small town in Ontario, Canada, and I have children going into sixth, fourth, second grade, and beginning junior kindergarten. As of now, we don't know what school will look like, but it's possible there will be all online learning. Or a hybrid of online and some face-to-face um, alternating several days a week and I will say I'm quite concerned about this because um, mostly because my second-born son is severely dyslexic and he needs a great deal more remedial help right now than school than the online version of school has been able to provide for him um, I, I want to see him thrive and I know that he has suffered academically My other children have had difficulties too, but he in particular um, really needs the additional help, his um, special education teachers, interventions, and so forth. So I, um, I have a lot of fear and uncertainty about the fall, and we're just waiting to see what will happen.
10: Hi, I'm Jessie, and I live in Prince George, British Columbia, Canada. My kids will be in grade one and grade three this fall. Our district actually opened back up at the end of May for students on a volunteer basis. I'm a teacher, and I had to go back to work full-time, so my kids had to also return. At first, I was a little nervous to send them back, but once I saw the protocols in place to keep them safe, I felt much better. They returned full-time for the last six weeks of school and absolutely loved it. I'm so glad they got to end on a positive note. We aren't 100% sure about the fall yet, but so far, our Minister of Education is expecting our elementary schools to go back full-time and high schools part-time. I'm feeling okay about this right now because we haven't seen any new COVID cases in our health region in over a month, so hopefully all goes well to a positive start to the year. Stay safe, friends.
11: My name is Carrie and I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My kids are three years old and eight months old, and we will be going back to daycare in about a month. My kids' daycare situation in the fall looks a little different than it has in the past. I'm not allowed to bring them into the center. Somebody greets us at the door and does a temperature check. And is wearing a mask, and everyone in the building is wearing a mask. We're going to a new center, so this makes me nervous. They're also not allowed to bring anything in from home. So, no taggy blankets, no levies, nothing like that. I'm feeling very stressed about this. Um, I'm an occupational therapist that works in the school, so I have been off with my girls since the middle of March. I'm afraid for them to go to daycare and contract COVID. I'm afraid. For myself to go back to work um, interact with hundreds of people a day and I'm afraid to contract it and bring it home to them our COVID cases in Michigan just keep rising and rising and I know that it would be best for kids to go back to school to be with their peers and to get back to routine but I'm also very anxious about the fact that we haven't beat this virus yet I'm hoping everything works out okay hi
12: I'm Katie I live in Lakewood Colorado my kids will be going into first grade and pre-K this fall. Our district just announced that they are offering either for families to commit to 100% virtual learning for the entire year and or 100% in-person full-time learning. I'm personally pretty shocked by this decision. It hasn't really soaked in yet that full-time education is on the table. I'm really surprised that a hybrid model is not something on the table right now. Um, We're recently just moving from the Bay Area, which is all just giving hybrid model options. So to go to an area where they're looking at this full-time model, I'm just not sure how that's going to play out right now. I'm not sure if we're ready for that. I definitely want my kids back in school, socializing with their friends, but I know that's going to look different. and I don't know how that looks right now in a pandemic. So to be asked to commit right now to these pretty extreme options with no real middle ground is really conflicting right now for my family. Um, So I'm not sure what we're gonna do yet. I think we're just kind of in the mindset we're gonna play out week by week just to see what happens before we have to make that final call.
13: Hi, my name is Lindsay and I live in Stowe, Massachusetts. My daughter is going to be five in September, but she would still be in one more year of preschool. The whole preschool's cooperative aspect has been taken away in the fall. No family helpers, no crossover between teachers. The children will have no sensory play, sandbox, water table, Play-Doh, and they aren't allowed to share toys. In order for the school to run, they had to increase the tuition by 33% because they needed to reduce the amount of classes that were offered. We plan to keep her out of school this fall and fill her days with other activities such as swim lessons and dance class. And I'm feeling sad that she won't be able to go to a school that she loves, but I'm thankful that she will not be transitioning to kindergarten this year. So in order to do all this and keep her out of school, I've had to lessen my workload as an adjunct
2: professor. My name is Lucia and I live in Ogden, Utah. I have a two and a half year old daughter. We were planning that she will go to a daycare that starts this fall. It seems that they are opening schools regarding the county risk level here. However, in Utah, cases are on the rise and it seems the situation here will be the same or worse, by the time the daycare is open. I know other families are are also planning to take their kids to the same daycare, and they are not following the CDC guidelines completely. So I am afraid that my kid will have to stay home, given that the situation where I live is out of control. This means that I won't have any time for myself, and my kid will miss a lot.
1: Okay. Again, thank you everyone who sent in your smells. I have to say like the theme that pops out at me is just uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really knows. And people are having to make these decisions that just, there's no ideal. Like none of this is great. Right. And so that is kind of the, de- like the place we're coming from to make the decision is no one exactly knows what's right. No one knows what's even going to be on the table. And we all know that all these options kind of stink. Yeah. So it's just like, this, this soup of, you know, not greatness that we're all swimming in at the moment. Um, the other thing we talked about Sarah yesterday that, that jumped out at both of us is that most of the people who called in, um, have younger kids, Mm -hmm. um, preschool, kindy, first grade. And I think, you know, just thinking about that, I was thinking about how, how much of a big choice this is or a big decision for people with little kids, as opposed to, I think, Part of it is just like, because my kids have been in school for so long, it's like if they're out for a semester or whatever, I just don't care that much. And yeah. they're older also, so um, I don't have to worry about the work thing yes. so much. And I don't need the break from them as much as you do when you have little kids. So I just, it's a very different, it's a very different experience for me having older kids and being able to make this choice with some of the privileges of that yes. as it you know would be if if they were younger, well,
0: I want to unpack that a little bit, because I think there's like I, I was counting on my fingers while you were talking, but there's three or four big differences. If you are an entering kinder first grade parent, one, you're new to schooling and it takes your it takes a while to get your footing as a school mom. You know what's right. And, and it you may have been looking forward to volunteering in the classroom. You may, you know, have been anxious about how your kid would separate from you, let alone now they might have to wear a mask or you can't even walk them to their classroom. Like, so there's the whole, like, you're, you're missing out on the cultural, um, part of entry into this next phase of parenting, which is a little sad.
1: It's, that's, it it would be hard. I remember being very excited about my kids. Um, Become about becoming a school mom, like we've said before, or even like a preschool mom. I just that's those are big milestones, yeah. And I really want to acknowledge like how hard it is to not get to celebrate those the way you thought you were going to get to.
0: So that's number one. Number two, uh, having distance learning in my home last spring for a first, fourth, and sixth grader, I can tell you that it is a night and day difference yes. for fourth and sixth graders to get on a computer, pay attention, maybe participate a little, do a project on Google Classroom, turn it in. I mean, they they might need support and encouragement, and it wasn't pretty all the time, but compare that to a first grade. A first grade virtual learning experience was very lacking, and that was not for yes. any lack of effort or Heart on the part of our school or our teacher it was just not the way my 7-year-old was going to learn and i know i've talked to many many parents so that's another big part of this and then you you t- you touched on needing the childcare or needing the um the break from your children is way different in those preschool through first grade years than for you Megan who can work pretty full time from home while providing just ancillary internet and support for your older learners yeah, good so, wireless
1: or good yeah, wi-fi
0: good yes, Wi-Fi. Yes, throw some totally. snacks at them so I just want to yeah I'm really glad we heard from so many parents of younger kids and definitely acknowledge that um you know but you on the on the flip side Megan you have kids who are looking ahead to college whose grades like you said really matter and who, and who have rich social lives independent from your home that are. So I do think there are, there are trade-offs and there are different challenges for different age groups. And so that's not to take away from Owen and Will, for example, who have, you know, there's real challenges, but I'm glad we heard from our parents of youngers. um A couple of things that jumped out at me. In addition to that, we had at least two, I believe two, Teachers leave us voicemails, one of whom is uh, a friend of mine, Diana. I know her personally, and she's a wonderful teacher um, who've decided to not go back to the classroom this year and and stay home and homeschool their children. And I just want to acknowledge the difficulty in that choice. We heard it in the voices of teachers who really want to be in the classroom. They love their job and they love Mm -hmm. teaching children. But I I don't want to put words in their mouth. But what I'm hearing is it's not possible to go into the classroom, do what you love in the way that you have grown to love it and have learners at home who might be on distance learning. How, how are you going to do that? And then if you are on distance learning yourself, then you are distance teaching while having kids at home, which I, we, when we did our pandemic perspectives, I interviewed two or three teachers and that's like, I mean, it's, it's hard for everyone trying to work at home, but teachers to teach a class while your other kid is on a class, like just the logistics of. So it made me a little bit sad to hear that some of our wonderful teachers are making that choice, but also I totally get it, right? Like what else? Oh, it's so hard. So that was something that jumped out at me and they can't be alone in that. I'm sure there are teachers all over the country feeling like they have to make a decision about whether to work or whether to be their children's teacher at home and homeschool or support support distance learning. It's crazy.
1: It is. And I mean... It feels like such a, feels like such a no win Mm -hmm. um, for people in that position, because like you're saying, and the teachers that I know in real life, they desperately want to do their jobs. Um, They want to teach kids in the classroom. They know that what they're going into isn't going to look like teaching the way they want to do it. So it's already kind of like demoralizing. And no matter how great your attitude is about, you know, and like how much optimism you have or put on the positive attitude, you just know what it is and what it isn't for your students. And then- There's the additional worry about your own health, um, Mm -hmm. about your children and your family at home. And, and that's going to be something that we see play out again and again, where teachers themselves are in risk groups or people in their home are in risk groups. And there's just like, none of these decisions are easy. Um, and I, I think that was a really good point that, you know, that it is, it is sad. There's just a lot of loss going on right now, um, for all of us in some way. And I think some of us are just better. Like I will say myself, I'm better at just not thinking about it and kind of zoning out about it and and being a little blasé sometimes and saying it'll all be fine in the end. And I know that it will. Um, But that doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. Even if you're even if you're more inclined to kind of just be like, well, we'll figure it out. You know? Yeah, and suck it up. (laughs) And some (laughs)
0: people really have decisions like they have to make whether they're going to quit their job or not quit their job. Whether they're gonna, you know, it's just it's crazy. Um, Can we talk about hybrid? hybrid models yeah. a little bit because it came up in it it didn't come up for you and me in our personal experience but it came up in the voicemails and I'll just share because while it's not currently on the table for either of my kids when we were still down in Orange County it is something that's being talked about a lot so if you're not familiar um just I'll just share one way that high, quote unquote hybrid is looking I think it can look a lot of different ways but um local schools down in Orange County had announced a plan where you could um opt in middle and high school students were going to opt in to fully virtual was a choice or hybrid and hybrid would have you at on campus Monday, Wednesday, every other Friday or Tuesday, Thursday every other Friday traveling around in smaller groups so that was what hybrid looked like at the um middle and high school level, and it did have a full virtual option, so if you didn't feel comfortable going to campus at all, you didn't have to and then at the elementary school level, it was all virtual you could choose you could choose half day every day. So you'd go for a half day with a small class. um, And you, it was almost like the old days of like half day kindergarten, like morning and afternoon groups. Um, And then you could choose a full day if you needed the childcare, but, but it was almost like half the day would be instruction and half would be more like what aftercare or like supplemental enrichment, but not a full day of instruction. And I, I might be getting some of those details wrong, but if you're not familiar, or if your area isn't talking about hybrid, it can look like every other day. It can look like half days. It can look yeah. I don't know. Have you heard others that don't even well, sound well? That's kind of
1: like what I was saying about with it sounds like at the high school level at least, and maybe the middle school level here, there'll be the ability to take some classes online, okay, and some in. In I guess that sounds like a hybrid. Yeah, because you'd be able to go in for certain classes and not for others, and that and that was what I was saying. Like, but I don't understand how that changes the numbers or how that. Changes the overall exposure for everybody. Like I get how my particular kid would then be less exposed because they'd be in the class less. But like, does that make it easier for the teachers to space the kids out? Like, I just I don't understand, I I guess, the benefits.
0: I think around here what they're going for is they don't have the actual space, the facility space, nor the staff resources to make classes small enough to distance desks, for example. Got it. So you're trying to cut down on the number of bodies. And then the second thing you're doing is you're you're limiting cohorts so that kids are traveling around with the same 12 or 15 kids rather than mixing up to a bunch of different classes all the time. So right. I think it's solving for, at least around here in California, where things are so crowded in many districts, it's solving for space um, and in smaller groups that don't intermingle with other groups, which is why I would that that idea of popping in for a math class and popping out sounds a little different because it doesn't sound like it necessarily achieves that objective. But I don't I mean, I don't know the background. And there, I so,
1: really have no idea yeah. how that would actually look because I haven't seen the actual plan. So yeah, I mean, I know we're going to dig into this a lot in the next episode. Um, and I really want to spend some time in that episode, not just talking about how the feel around us right now, the um, you know the, the the tension and like the tenor of the yeah. conversations and the tone, but also just like what we're actually facing here, like what choice we're actually making. Because we start saying like you know virtual versus um, hybrid versus you know homeschool versus in school, like what are the benefits and the risks mm-hmm. to each of those decisions? Mm-hmm. And and it's complicated. It's really complicated. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we can I think dig more into that, but yeah, just it's. It's I don't know I keep saying it's yeah. going to be interesting. It's just I mean, who knows how this it, is all going to play who out. Who knows.
0: And uh, and before we wrap, I will say again that this is July 17th. I feel like since the very beginning of the pandemic was when we really had to remind people the date on which we're having this conversation because things changed so quickly and then it then that felt like less of a need. So it is just rapidly rapidly evolving so it's very possible that on august 1st the whole country has decided no one's going to school and this whole episode was right, like why yeah. do they
1: even bother yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway school's done on
0: july 17th or july 21st when you're actually hearing this um we just want to thank everybody for joining us today and thanks especially to everybody who left us voicemails Um, so as we mentioned next week, we're going to continue the conversation and kind of expand it into talking about parenting culture a little bit, how we judge and treat each other as moms making these difficult decisions. So join us again next week, Megan, this was fun and we will talk to everybody soon.
1: The mom hour is supported by partners like Erica.